You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Around. We don't waste time over here at his hard line. Let's go. Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Welcome to the show. 
Let's get started. You are tuned in to the His Hardline Podcast, where we ignite independent and accurate thought, break the chains and shackles of mental bondage, challenge societal norms, and traverse to the timeless teachings of our Heavenly Father. Join us as we liberate minds and embrace the power of the Great Awakening while embracing true sovereignty. I am Jason, your co-host with our Sovereign Lord and Savior Christ Jesus at our side because he is the host with the most and the most high. He's at the helm behind the wheel in that captain's chair steering this great ship to these crazy rough waters and this storm that we call life. So welcome to His Heart Line. Today's reading will be out of the book of Matthew chapter 15, and today's show title is called Submission No More. Daily Disclaimer. Please be advised that I am not a doctor, holistic health expert, financial advisor, biblical scholar, or a bar lawyer, which means do not take your legal advice from me. And while I am a member of the Michigan General Journal Assembly in good lawful standing, I am not the official face or voice of the National, State, or County Assembly. I do not endorse or advocate for violence unless it's in self-defense of myself and my family. And please note that the opinions, thoughts, and statements expressed on this platform are solely my own and for educational and entertainment purposes only. So welcome to His Heart Line, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to His Heart Line. Hope everybody's having a good day, good day, good morning, good evening if you're on that part of the world. Well, I tell you what, it's that time of year again where everybody has quote-unquote COVID. Everyone's got COVID now all of a sudden. Yeah. There's so many people out in the public. They're wearing their crazy breathing apparatuses and their you know crazy face mask. And they're looking like a bunch of nut jobs. Oh, come on, Jason. That's not nice. You shouldn't be saying that. People are fearful of getting sick. No, it's called putting the proper stuff in your body, getting the proper vitamin D. It's about uh, taking ivermectin. It's about getting elderberry uh, syrup in your system. It's about taking care of your body. It cracks me up. It really does crack me up. Um, I was in Costco yesterday and I literally, I walked in this store and this lady This lady has this huge, like, painter's mask on. When I say a mask, it's not even a mask. It's a breathing apparatus. You know, what it looks like she's going through nuclear fallout. I mean, it's insane. And and she's not the only one. I'm seeing more and more people wearing these types of things. It's like, how are you people this ignorant? Like, first off, you look ridiculous, okay? But as, as somebody personally, myself, who doesn't really care about what I look like, It's still, it's ridiculous. It just shows your IQ level and just shows your lack of knowledge and your lack of understanding of really what's happening in the world. And if you think that's going to help save you from getting sick, um, you got another thing coming to you because, you know, again, while I also say I'm not a doctor, I will say that with my own experience, After a significant amount of time, months on end now, of taking ivermectin on a regular basis, darn near on a regular basis, there's a few days where I miss it, but once a day or twice a day, once in the morning, once in the evening before I go to bed, 
I take elderberry syrup. Okay. Elderberry. All right. The, the real stuff, not the stuff that has, you know, added extra sugars and all that, but the real elderberry concentrated syrup, you know, with the drops. Okay. With the drops, with a droplet. Um, I get that from a place called health hut. Um, I do that. There's another thing called beekeepers. It's like a throat spray. Okay. We use that. I think it's called beekeepers. I gotta, I gotta look at that. Don't quote me on that. Um, but on top of that, um, you know, I take a, you know, spoonful of honey every time I think about it. Um, I take vitamins, vitamin D that's infused with vitamin K, you know, to ensure absorption, um, and all other types of vitamins. Okay. You have to put the proper stuff in your body folks, but not only that, you also have to eat well. Okay. You can't take all of this stuff and expect to have a properly functioning body. If all you're eating is cinnamon bonbons and pizza and everything that has bad carbs in it and processed meats, that's going to basically counteract everything that you're trying to do. And this is why people get sick in my opinion, because <clears throat> think about, it, you know, we're getting to that time of year. The sun isn't showing its pretty little face as much this time of year. So it's darker, longer. We are wearing longer sleeved and pant legged clothing. So our body is not exposed to the sunlight as much as it should to help produce, you know, for our bodies to produce that vitamin D. We are indoors now more. So, you know, we're not getting that fresh air flushing through our household like we would in warmer months. Um, what else is there? We're eating more like crap this time of year. And I say we, I'm saying just collectively as a nation, as a society, because, you know, when you got Thanksgiving and uh, coming off of Halloween, of course, you know, because there's a ton of candy going into November leading up to Thanksgiving, where I'm sure parents uh, to some degree, you know, don't want their kids eating all that candy. So they just kind of start helping little Johnny tear down his, you know, candy bowl and starts eating the candy. Now I know that's not you people because you people are very, very smart and you're very health conscious. But what I'm saying is this is more for the people that just don't know any better and they just don't have any self-control. Um, kind of like a, how I used to be. And so, you know, you're, you're destroying your body by taking in all the sugar, starting with Halloween, right? You're going to the parties, Halloween parties. So you're eating a bunch of junk there. You're drinking. Okay. That's the other thing. You're drinking alcohol. Now you get to Thanksgiving. Okay. So now you already got like one big dose of crap that you uh, put in your body in a, in a higher quantity than you typically do any other time of the year. Now you got Thanksgiving, right? So now you're eating more crap and you're eating more bad stuff and desserts and all this other stuff and possibly drinking. Okay. All right. Now you're just bogging your body down, right? You're getting all this stuff that your body is like going in overload, trying to filter all this crap out. All right. And then if you're lucky enough and still haven't gotten sick, then you got Christmas Eve and Christmas and New Year's and all these people, you know, generally when you're going out and you're hanging out with family, you got all this crap that you're eating and drinking. And again, you're overloading your body with a bunch of food, quote unquote food, right? That's infused with a bunch of toxins and it's overloading your body. And again, that's what helps contribute to dropping your immunity. Now, remember, I'm not a doctor. This is just me using critical thinking. Okay. And I think this is a lot of all of these combinated, you know, combination of factors this time of year 
put together is a recipe for disaster. But yet we still want to be told that there's some freaking, you know, uh, man, you know, this this virus that occurred naturally in nature when a bat and a mouse got together at a bar. This is absolutely ridiculous. Take care of your body. Put in the right, proper nutrition in your body and you will be okay. Okay. It's just, I, I, I just don't understand the insanity. And, and here's what's also, I, I feel bad for my, my one neighbor across the street. So my one neighbor, um, which I'm going to keep his name private because, you know, I don't know if he would appreciate me saying his na- name. Um, but my other neighbor who is a computer programmer, um, very awesome guy. He's, uh, you know, um, him and his wife have two little boys and then they're, you know, she's pregnant with their third and it's their first little girl. And he sends me a text saying, you know, we're at the delivery room and they're telling my wife that people that are not vaccinated and have COVID have a greater risk of stillbirths. And he continues to say, I understand telling us everything, but really folks, that's, that's a problem. And when I say that's a problem, I'm talking about trying to scare people still into trying to get the vax, the the COVID shot. That right there is a fear tactic that should never be employed by a medical system that this this woman, okay, our neighbor, his wife, really trusts, okay? She's in her third trimester, thankfully. And, you know, at this point in this game, you know, baby, the baby should be pretty healthy, Right. But for them to say, oh, yeah, if you're not vaccinated and you have COVID, you, you're you at a greater risk of losing your baby. It's like, what kind of crap is that? You don't tell a woman who's already stressing out that's pregnant, that has hormones going all over the place because of this. I'm just guessing. I don't know from experience. I'm just guessing from what, you know, my what my wife teaches me. But you don't tell a woman, a mother to be for the third time, okay? who wants nothing more than to have a daughter after having two boys that, Oh, if you have COVID, you're more than likely going to lose your baby. Cause you didn't get vaxxed. You're one of them. Really? That's bull crap. And so I sent them a text back. I said, that's not cool. And, and you just got to trust in God, um, has your back. I said, have no fear brother. And I said, that's absolute bull crap. I said, but your, um, your little baby, is in the third trimester and I believe is going to be a strong baby. I said, so she will make it. And, um, I told him, I said, I'll help you tomorrow make a batch of hydroxychloroquine because he's been asking about it. But anyways, um, but yeah, so it's just, you know, I, I just was at a loss of words when he sent me that I said, that's, that's absolute crap. So yeah. Um, just it's, I say all that to say this folks, just, Get the right things in your body. Elderberry, all right? Ivermectin. You can get ivermectin at your local tractor supply, okay? And people might be grossed out about it. They're like, yeah, but that's horse paste. That's horse paste. Okay. My mom saw me take it last night. She goes, what's it taste like? I'm like, it's like toothpaste, okay? Literally, it's like gel toothpaste without any flavor with a hint of apple. That's it. You take a little size that's a size about a, about the size of a pencil eraser, a number two pencil eraser, if anybody remembers those, because it seems like nobody writes with a number two pencil anymore, unless you're taking an SAT for college. But you take the size of a number two pencil eraser twice a day. And I tell you what, I feel great. And I'm sure I would feel greater once I go for a prolonged amount of time without alcohol and eating bad crap again. 
one of the contributing factors of why we all get sick. You keep putting crap in your body, your body's going to bog down and your functions, like your liver and your kidney, right? And if you're putting foods in your body that oxidizes your blood, that also is going to slow you down. It's going to increase inflammation. And of course, it's like putting, think about it. It's like putting sugar in a gas tank. Have you, do you know what happens when you put sugar in a gas tank of a car? It seizes it up. It seizes the motor up. Okay. Do you think that it doesn't do that in your own body? Sugar is very, very bad. Now, if you're going to consume sugar, it should be cane sugar, right? Natural, organic cane sugar, not that refined process garbage. Okay. So if you're going to, if you're going to use, if you're going to use sugar of any degree, at least let it be cane sugar. Okay. And of course, in moderation, again, remember, I'm not a doctor and I'm not a holistic health expert. I must remind you of that, but just do your own research folks. Now pivoting a little bit, um, I posted a picture of a screenshot from the flights of, you know, military flights from last night. And I saw like Gip, Gitmo was flying down, a Gitmo plane was flying down to Cuba from uh, Tallahassee. Very interesting. And this, I don't know who this Cali 8Q is, but they put a, they put a, a post on there saying, how do I DM you? You know, I have three court cases where they are breaching their oath. I need help. All links in the assembly are disconnected. Don't know what that means, but okay. Um, they continue to say there is nowhere to contact anyone. <clears throat> um, and and continues to say uh, there's yeah there's nowhere to contact anyone. Leave messages. Uh, were you all told to stand down? I don't get it. Um, first off. Um, the fact that you got, you know, that I don't know what you mean by all links to the assembly are disconnected. I, that I don't, I, that I don't understand. The only thing I can think of is you might be an investigator. If links to the assembly website are, you know, disconnected, then you have been banned then because you are probably one of them. But let's just say you're not, if you're listening to this. Okay. And this is going to anybody, by the way. Okay. But first off, she, this person says that they are, you know, she's got, they got, I'm assuming she, because of the name Callie, but she says there are three court cases where they are breaching their oath. First off, there's no oath. They've taken no oath. Okay. It's a false oath there. It's all bull crap. Okay. Um, and even if they did take an oath, they are working for a much higher power. That is not you and I, okay. We, we are not in their best interest right now. All right. So I responded, I said, I don't know who you even are. I said, I will not even entangle myself with anyone that I do not personally know, nor know specifics about. Plus, I think you're misunderstanding what the assembly does. It's not to help individual people. It's to bring back original jurisdiction and power back to the people, not to play Superman for one person here or one person there. That's not how that works. And then they respond by saying, how are you able to bring back original jurisdiction? And power back to the people if you are not helping the people involved with cases to question the courts, judges, sheriffs, etc. With all that knowledge, all of what you state then is fluff. All talk, no action. 
why would anyone then follow or listen to you? Seriously, it's a valid question. I've listened to your audios, been to the assembly website, which looks like they are shut down in 2022. Why? Not the case. Uh, Because let's see here. We're going to go to it right now. Oh, let's see here. WWW. Wrong keyboard. I got two keyboards here for two different computers. www.national-assembly.net. Okay, let's pull it up. Oh, what do you know? It comes right up with a message. The server is now upgraded and back online, and I am working on a brand new website for the National Assembly on another server and may occasionally point this domain to it. Testing and functionality. If errors are encountered, please have patience as I am doing some testing. Destry, but there's still a website. It's up, and I see... My four top podcasts that Destry has shared on the front page, Contempt of the Constitution, Corporate America, Voiding the Act of 1871, the General Dunford Rebuttal, and then the Michigan General Journal Assembly Timeline, 2018 to 2000, or 2010 to 2018. So I, I, there's a website up, so I don't, I don't know what they're talking about. Okay. But anyways, continuing with this post, it says, why does the de jure philosophy work? what's what's good what good is all the knowledge if you are not able to apply we get no justice in courts at least the assembly or so they state that we would be able to get justice so if this info is true or not or so is this info true or not with a question mark right if true lead me to where i can get these de facto judges prosecuted for breach of oath etc 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 otherwise take your website and other platforms down and stop wasting all of our time with bs because i just spent over a month on your info alone okay well again you are very much misunderstanding what the assembly does and this was my response on telegram I said, I said, with what you are looking for is going to be through Kirk Pendergrass. Go to Kirk's Law Corner. Okay, again, I'm going to say this. I said, you have a heavy misconception. Now, please clean out your ears because I know this is hard for people to grasp. But you have a heavy misconception on what the General Journal Assemblies do. As much as I like to wave a magic wand and have the info, you know, info zapped into your mind, that can't happen. So that's not how that works. And I do not have time to go into a 101 course here in the chat. I'd suggest to reach out to Kirk from Kirk's Law Corner, but I caution you that info isn't free. He teaches how to fight against a de facto system in their playing field. Assemblies, once 38 states minimum, are accumulated of reassembly by the people, then restructure and elimination of the de facto fields can finally take place. But for this person, whoever the hell this person is sitting there saying, oh, you need to take your websites down and your platforms because your info is bullcrap. Know your perception and your understanding and comprehension is very deficient. And um, uh, how, how do I want to say it? it's very bankrupt. You're not taking enough time. If you think you're going to get all this in one month and you're 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 very delusional. This kind of stuff takes a long time to understand. And look, I'm still learning myself. Anybody who's anybody, even Destry, okay? I mean, Destry and other people who have been doing this and been involved in this for 10, 11, 12 years, it's still a learning process. And new information is always being discovered because so much has been hidden from us. But it's just, it cracks me up when you get crackpots like this that want to come on here and say, well, you know, the assemblies are supposed to be helping me with my court cases. No, no, we are not supposed to be, you know, captain saving people here. Okay. We're not supposed to be Supermans or Batmans, you know, come in here to save the day. 
That's not how that works. Now, if you want to fight the de facto scumbags on a de facto playing field, then yeah, you go right ahead and have fun. But what the assemblies are doing, again, is helping the country as a whole. We're not here to help individual people on a case-by-case basis. That's what you call spinning your wheels in the mud. So as far as I'm concerned, um, you know, and I'm going to just speak to my experience from when I was a DJ. You're not going to make everybody happy. And no matter what, people will always read into what they want to read. So as far as I'm concerned... You can just delete and unfollow everything that I have. And if you think I'm going to bow down to to some nobody that I don't even know who you are, you're just hiding behind a telegram emoji con and, you know, avatar with some bullcrap name, um, pseudonym. um, You're very delusional. And that's all I'm going to say. So anyway. People, I tell you, some people's children. <laughs> God Almighty, what do you do with people? You know, what are you gonna do with people? And listen, it's gonna get it's gonna get more chaotic because as we get closer to our our Michigan General General Assembly, uh, we're coming up on the thirteenth. Okay, where we're gonna be um, reassembling after six months of being adjourned for six months, even though those bat bat crap crazy people, you know, who are trying to. Uh, destroy the Michigan Assembly, even though they don't want to recognize it. You know, yes, it, it is re- readjourning, okay, in January. Um, more and more of these people are going to be coming out of the woodwork to try to disrupt, and it's going to be very, very interesting to see what occurs going forward. Um, let's see here. Let's go further here on the list here. Now, um, what is going on? I just had some stuff here that I was going to share, and I think I just destroyed my note somehow. What just happened here? What just happened? Hold on. Well, 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 I guess I, um, oh, wait, maybe I can do this. Hold on. Will this bring it back? Come on. How did I delete this stuff? Hold on, guys. Come on. Hmm. I end up messing my own self up, I guess. Huh. All right, whatever. I had some things I was going to share, but um, guess not. All right, so onward and forward. So here's something kind of interesting. Um, my mother-in-law played this for me the other day. We were hanging out in my living room. She came over, and um, <clears throat> and there's this video she watches. So I'm sure a lot of you listen to Zach Payne, maybe. Uh, what is it? The... Uh, red pill guy i forgot what his show is actually called i don't listen to him on a regular basis but he is good i guess um and there is an interview that glenn beck now keep in mind i'm not a glenn beck fan but apparently cash patel was on a show with glenn beck just listen to the content of this conversation regarding outer space and stuff like that kind of interesting just remind me and, I, and maybe we'll do that for next week or we'll see. Okay. But I know we're going to talk a few news items and one of the news items that kind of fits in with conspiracy theories is that Cash Patel interview. Oh yes. I was really stoked when I saw that. Yeah, let's uh let, let's play that. Do you got that pulled up? I do. Give me just one second. Let me add it. Can you tell 
uh, if President Trump wins again, if he'll finally just tell us the truth, uh, are aliens real? <laughs> <laughs> I might have to keep that what one in is, my <laughs> Seriously, we keep thinking this is a this is a, a so either either we are covering for technology or it's just a psychop on the American people let to me, get them to talk about something else. Let me tell you what I can say. I can tell you that it's like our most valuable assets are not on the ground. Our most valuable assets from a national defense standpoint are underwater and in space. Underwater. Yeah. And that's interesting. It's easier to talk about space aliens than it is to talk about Nelly, the Loch Ness monster. So <laughs> I think that's why it's so catchy right now. But yeah, there's a whole battle up in space that, that China... I just want to have more conversation on this. Hold this stuff in. How do you like... You've had a couple of drinks. Yeah. You're with a... You know, you're with a... Oh, you don't know me. It only takes two. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it was... For me, it was always a privilege to go in there and serve in that fashion. It wasn't a right. And the people that will... You know, they'll be nameless for history for doing those pieces of work. You know, I'm just, I was just in awe of that they dedicated 20 years to make this one widget work. And I'm like, that's what it's for. Because we need that. And we need the 100 other people doing that different type of work coming together to make this big thing. Otherwise, we're going to get our asses handed to us. All right, so let's just make one, one deal. <laughs> You're ever abducted by aliens. I'll call you. And they're going to kill you with an anal probe right before you die. <laughs> call me and tell me about this. You've got to give me your cell phone. <laughs> I don't have one. No. Really, Glenn? <laughs> okay. So a few takeaways from this. Yeah. First of all, Glenn Beck doesn't know what a psyop is. I know. He's I was a, just going to Like, what the hell, dude? Where have you been? Um, but that's that's besides the point. They're talking about aliens, and he says our biggest assets are under the water or in outer space. That's right. Yeah, in, in a national security sense. From a national – so you could be talking – I know a lot of people are taken away from this that there's aliens underwater. We're about to look at some videos, and I get that. Me being the more like skeptical sense, he was equating the aliens to space. I, I think – um. I think he's talking about like the underwater cables or like nuclear subs or something. I don't necessarily think he was referring to aliens. Well, I, I mean, th there's in the same way that like what we're witnessing with disclosure and the 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 truth being given to the world. You know, it, I don't think we're looking at a, a monolithic uh, experiment happening here. I mean, the, you've got a number of different tracks that are happening simultaneously. Certainly. Underwater, we have some very important infrastructure. We, we've got, uh, you know, fiber optic cables spanning the, uh, the the length of the ocean floor, going you know from continent to continent. Obviously, that's super important. Uh, we've got the, uh, the the pipelines that run underwater, very very important. Uh, we've also got uh, a, a lot of um, military assets underwater. You know, varying types of our own uh, submersibles, uh, some that are publicly uh, admitted to, others I'm certain that have probably not been revealed to the public yet. And then, of course, we have uh, the, uh, uh, the other nations of the world that also have their underwater submersibles uh, that we may or may not have a full or accurate understanding of. So lots of different things. But I think, obviously, as someone who has been tracking the phenomenon of unidentified 
objects, be they flying or underwater. They both exist, mm-hmm. and they're both a a, a real uh, and uh, and trackable phenomenon. And I think that underwater is almost more important than space because you know, let's just assume you believe in space. There's a, a, there's a degree of separation between us and them. Space indicates that they come from a far-flung place and maybe they're visiting, but they can also leave. If we're talking about a phenomenon that exists on Earth, that's in the deepest recesses of the ocean, someplace that we don't have the technology to go, even if we really wanted to, then that indicates a level of control and sophistication that is so far beyond us that it's difficult to comprehend. Not to mention the fact that that means they've set up shop. Okay, so they're there, and the best we can do is to sit back and watch and hope that they don't come messing with us uh, on dry land. Yeah, yeah, that's very... That's very kind of interesting, you know, so there's a lot that can probably be discussed here. But, you know, I find that interview with Cash Patel to be very interesting. You could tell he knows a lot more. I think a lot of what's going on is underwater because from my understanding, you know, what Ghislaine or Ghislaine Maxwell, right, the um, madam for Jeffrey Epstein. Okay, um, they she i believe if i read correctly was a certified or licensed whatever you want to call it uh submarine uh pilot like she they had a you know for their human trafficking and with these underground bases and stuff like that these uh tunnel systems i have read that you can take submersibles and go and traverse the world in subterranean tunnels that are filled with water that wouldn't surprise me if a lot of what we're dealing with is all underwater um, and in these subterranean bases that you can get to underwater tunnels. It would stand to reason that there is probably a lot of assets deployed, which would make sense why Cash Patel would say um, it's not so much what's in the air. It's so much it's more you know important about what's going on under the water. And now maybe they're talking about it from an extraterrestrial standpoint to maybe, um, you know, I don't know. I I have no idea on the whys why they would say extraterrestrial. Maybe it is. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and say aliens exist one way or the other. But what I am saying is there is obviously larger operations that are occurring from a home security, you know, a homeland security, a defense standpoint. And obviously it's still occurring. All right. I've seen some crazy phenomena in the sky myself. Um, now, would it be aliens? No, but I have seen some really crazy activity in the sky. And when I say activity, I don't mean just a bunch of planes or a line of lights like Starlink going across the sky. I'm talking like dog fighting looking, you know, lights in the sky at night at like 2, 3 a.m. in the morning, freaking me out. I mean, I'm seeing these lights buzz around at like top notch speeds looking like they're dog fighting it's the most insane thing that i've ever seen and i've heard of other people that i know personally uh one guy was saying one time he was seeing uh same similar kind of phenomenon that i was seeing and all of a sudden he saw a giant explosion happen in the sky now when i say giant explosion nothing that most people would see 
you know, light up, you know, a night, you know, like a backyard, you know, on a dark night, but you could see something occur up in the sky. And he said, all of a sudden you just see this explosion occur, um, way, way, way out in the sky. And it's like, Whoa, what the crap was that? So there's definitely something going on. What it is. I don't know. I'll probably never know because a lot of that stuff will probably be continued to be kept confidential and top secret. But it is interesting when you can catch these events yourself. Um, it is a sight to see. I got to say, it really is a sight to see. But anyway, um, let's get into the reading. Matthew chapter 15. By the way, yesterday uh, or whatever day it was, the last podcast I did, um, I misspoke the other day. I said the other day uh, in the beginning of the show that we were doing Matthew chapter 15. But in reality, it was actually Matthew chapter 14. Today, we're actually doing Matthew chapter 15. Somehow I got my numbers mixed up on my notes. And, uh, well, you know, as usual, like an idiot, um, you know, messed up, you know, there you go. So, Hey, I'm, I'm only man with flaws. Okay. So I can't have it perfect all the time. Um, but that might constitute me, you know, maybe my little mess up. Maybe you guys should demand. I take down my pot, you know, my podcast and my website because oh, God forbid you know, I make a mistake. You need to take down your podcast. <laughs> stupid lady i can't believe that all right and that's not funny i shouldn't say stupid lady that's that's just very ignorant okay stupid would be an upgrade that's just flat out ignorance right there that's just flat out ignorance okay matthew chapter 15 now we're going to talk about the defilement um come you know comes from within starting here in Matthew chapter 15. So starting with verse one, it says, then the scribes and the Pharisees who were with Jerusalem or were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, why do your disciples transgress of the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. He answered and said to them, why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God. Then he, then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. I want to pause there with verse eight for a second, folks. Listen to this. This is so, this, this verse encapsulates so many would-be Christians and me too, once upon a time. Okay, because I, I thought I was a quote-unquote true Christian following Jesus. Little did I realize I was not once upon a time. I want to repeat this verse, and you should probably write it down. It's that important. These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips but their heart is far from me. These people draw near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. That's a very important verse, folks. 
Continuing with verse 9, And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines and commandments of men. When he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear and understand. Not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth that this defiles a man. Then his disciples came and said to him, do you know that a Pharisees, that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. Then Peter answered and said to him, Explain this parable to us. So Jesus said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre, Tyre, Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from the region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, my daughter severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep, except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's tables. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And your daughter and her daughter was healed from that very hour. Now we get into where Jesus um, heals the great multitude. So starting with verse 29. And then Jesus departed from there, skirted to the Sea of Galilee, and went up to the mountain and sat down there. Then great multitudes came to him, having with them the lame, blind, mute, maimed, and many others. And they laid them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. So the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed made whole, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and the glorified, and they glorified the God of Israel. Now Jesus called his disciples to himself and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat, and I do not want to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. Then his disciples said to him, Where would we get enough bread in the wilderness to fill such a great multitude? And Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven and a few fish. So he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the ground. And he took seven loaves and the fish and gave thanks, broke them and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitude. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up seven large baskets full of fragments that were left. Now those who ate, were 4,000 men besides women and children. And he sat away and he sent away the multitude, got into a boat and came to the region of Magdala. And that is the reading of Matthew chapter 15. Now, this passage offers, I think, a very profound lesson here on the essence of uh, defilement and true faith. So Jesus pointed out 
then defilement doesn't originate from external sources like an un, like unwashed clean uh unwashed uh hands but stems from within right from the heart and what comes out of our mouths what we speak and so our actions and words reflect the condition of our hearts showing whether they are aligned with god's commands and distorted by human traditions now i have a lot to say on the human traditions but we're going to come back to that here in a minute but the encounter with the canaanite woman emphasizes the power of persistent faith and so despite the initial rejection her unwavering belief and humility moved jesus so much that her faith you know not being hindered by societal barriers or apparent rejection and that honestly shows us the depth of faith that transcends obstacles so the subsequent scene of healing and provision showcases jesus's boundless compassion and power now he didn't just heal physically but restored dignity and hope to those that were in need and his provision of food for the multitudes also mirrors his abundant grace always sufficient to meet our needs it's very important we understand that lesson always sufficient to meet our needs so our actions and our words and faith it's all intertwined that it, it illustrates the importance of what it means to have an authentic heart aligned with god's will now keep in mind ladies and gentlemen god is still working on yours truly too i have undergone such severe and significant and profound and earth-moving transformation internally here but it's a process that is still undergoing it is still occurring um and the reason I say it's still occurring is because I still like, I'll give you a, for instance, for example, right? Uh, the other day we were going to, um, a church event that they combined both churches. They rented a big venue and, um, it's in a downtown area of Muskegon here. And so it's a bar night, Saturday night, and there's a lot to do. And so finding parking is kind of a challenge. And I saw an open spot on the other side of the road, but I was going the opposite way in which I needed to pull in. So I was going to do a U-turn at the next available uh, space to get in there. And I say all that to say this, um, a car, I was waiting to see, okay, is this car going to turn or is, are they going to go into that space that I was aiming for? And of course, I go in the space and the first thing that comes out of my, my mouth was mf -er. And of course, not appropriate, right? Not appropriate. That was uncalled for and not needed. But that was the first thing come like mf -er. i was so mad i was like you got to be kidding me that right there even though i'm talking you know i'm sure there's other things that the, you know that this passage is talking about as far as like other things that come out of the mouth right hatred talk and and and, and gossip about other people right telling lies but like i think that also would equate to bad cuss words and in that moment i was like son of a gun like you gotta be kidding me but you know maybe that person had uh, you know an, an ailment who knows okay where they needed that spot to get to where they needed maybe they had a bad knee i don't know but like that's the kind of thing i'm talking about so i still am undergoing this transformation and, and my wife is still god bless her heart has the patience of job trying to work with me so whenever i do say a bad word she's like babe like you know that was not needed i'm like yeah you're you're right but i'm still mad like you know what i mean 
but you know, that's just the kind of thing I'm talking about. Just, you know, the words that come out of your mouth, it, it shows what is in the heart. And so I think God is still working on my heart, but like also the Canaanite woman, our faith, again, it must persist no matter what, despite challenges. Cause we're all, we're all going to deal with challenges. That's an inevitability. That's almost a, um, that's also a, what do you want to say? It's just a certainty of life. We're always going to have challenges. So because of those challenges, we need to make sure we have persistent faith. And Jesus's compassion and provision also reminds us that in him, there's always sufficiency in our insufficiency, right? There's always sufficiency in our insufficiency. Now, I want to go back to that, um, to the, you know, verse two and three, and I want to highlight it. And kind of go back because I'm this this goes back to a basic argument that I've always made about different religions and that formulate traditions that were never really derived out of the Bible itself. Because again, it says, you know, why do your verse two, right? Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. And verse three says, He answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? Well, Jesus himself is basically highlighting here that the Pharisees' tendencies to prioritize human traditions over God's actual commandment or commandments, all right? And in this scenario, the Pharisees were were criticizing Jesus' disciples for not adhering to the traditional hand-washing ritual, okay? And, and, you know, for example, in this example, before eating, considering it, you know, considering it a transgression. Now, Jesus, however, turns the tables on them and he points out that, well, your meticulous focus on man-made traditions has led you to neglect even or even to override the actual commandments of God. Because all these religions that are out there, religions, okay, it's all derived from man-made traditions. I cannot stand the traditions. That's why if you, you show me in the Bible, if the, it doesn't matter if it's Mormon, it doesn't matter if it's Catholic, it doesn't matter if it's Methodist, Seventh-day Adventist, I don't care what it is. If there's something you're doing, I want to know, is it biblically based? And if so, point to the Bible. Point to the Bible where it says it. And you can get eight different versions of the Bible. I'll even give you that. Give me eight, I'll give you eight different versions of the Bible. Hell, bring out the Torah. Show me, where does it say X, Y, and Z? If it is a tradition, then it's a man-made thing. No dice, not following it. I follow Christ and his teachings, or at least I do my best to do it. But if it's a man-made tradition, I throw it out the window. Because again, he emphasized that adhering strictly to human tradition shouldn't supersede the core principles and commandments given by God himself. So again, it's a reminder that our focus should remain on the essence of God's teachings rather than becoming entangled in trivial human interpretations. And yes, that's what they are, interpretations or traditions that might divert people from his true intent. Now, why do I make this argument? Here's why I talk about this all the time. And it it, it really is irritating because Man-made traditions seem to overshadow and complicate the essence of God's teaching. And so it can actually, in a lot of cases, and has done this to people, it's done it to me for a minute, it can actually alienate people and actually easily create confusion or disillusion, you know, a disillusionment among believers. And so people might perceive a certain faith 
or religion as an unnecessary, intricate, uh, unnecessarily intricate or stringent, thus potentially leading a lot of people to feel discouraged and disconnected from the core values of their faith. And then it leads people to walk away. And so the danger lies in traditions becoming barriers instead of pathways to understanding and practicing faith. And so when traditions obscure the simplicity, because let's be real, God created a simplistic understanding of how this is, okay? Yes, the Bible is thick. There's a lot of information in it. But following God and Christ should not and never should have been or would it never was a complicated thing. It's a simple thing, but it's it's complicated for people to just make that decision. Again, when traditions obscure the simplicity and beauty of God's teachings, it can easily deter people from fully engaging with their faith and following Jesus because of what religions tell us we need to do, even when it's not displayed in the Bible. Simply simplifying and refocusing on the core principles of love, compassion, and the essence of God's commandments can help prevent such confusion and encourage a more authentic and relatable connection with faith. This is why I make this argument all the time. Unless you can point to the Bible, why a certain religion or faith is doing something. To me, it's invalid. It's a man-made tradition, and I do not subscribe to any man-made tradition. I don't care what it is. Unless it's in the Bible, I'm not following it. And that's why I like going to the church that we do, because it's a non-denominational church. And, you know, it's just, yeah, I'm going to just stop my conversation there because it's just, you know, people's ignorance can be so stupid because, you know, we've gotten closer to God collectively even further more because of this church. And I've said this to a priest that uh, of a Catholic church that I used to go to. And I've told you guys this story. I'm not going to go into it again because you're just going to get bored and fall asleep. But you know, I basically told the priest that we were friends with, I said, look, nothing against your homily, you know, but, um, I just don't feel it in your church. I read my Bible daily. I come on this podcast and we try to read a chapter a day. Every time we do it, it may not be daily, but every time we're on the air, we at least read a a Bible pod, you know, a a chapter at least four to five times a week, at least. I mean, and I'm not going to sit here and say that this is a church, but this is like part of my form of church as well. When I'm in the truck, that's another form of church for me as well. I'm always having conversations with God. I'm always trying to keep a dialogue with God, asking him to guide me during difficult situations, giving him gratitude when I'm thinking about it. And and I'm so grateful about the job that I have, when I'm thankful about the marriage that he mended, when I'm thankful about the daughter that he provided us that we were told we would never have. You know, I'm always trying to have a conversation with Father in heaven. And it's a wonderful thing. But everybody thinks that, you know, being close to God is just going to church one day a week and you do your, oh, sit, nail, stand. Let's sing some praises. Not saying it's not important, by the way. Make no mistake. Don't misjudge my message or misrepresent or misinterpret my message here. 
Church is important. I'm looking forward to going to church this Sunday because I'm off this Sunday and I am pumped up, baby, pumped up because I work every Sunday and the church we go to doesn't have a Saturday night mass. So I'm pumped up. But when I can, I listen to the sermon that's online. They do a live and then they allow it, allow it to be downloaded. Our church is amazing. I love our church. My wife just put right here. I love our church. That's exactly what she just said. But it's inspired me to continue my faith through the week even more. That's what I'm talking about, folks. My wife grew up a Catholic. I grew up a Catholic. Our whole lives, we've had this crap beaten into our minds. Catholic, 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 Catholic. Sit, kneel, stand. And I'm not saying, and I'm not dogging on the Catholic faith. Again, make no mistake, in case my mother-in-law is listening or anybody else who's Catholic that's listening, this is not a dogging on a Catholic faith. For some people, they might feel it in a Catholic church, right? Okay. And some people, not so much. I didn't feel it. Okay, now my wife still likes aspects about the Catholic Mass. She loves receiving the sacrament of communion, okay, the Eucharist, okay, and that's her choice. That's her thing. Me, I have a different opinion on that, but hey, that's neither here nor there. At the end of the day, the fact of the matter is, as long as she's getting closer to the Christ, no matter how she's doing it, as long as it's not trampling on people or stepping on people or anything illegal, right, which that would be unbiblical, but as long as she is finding a deeper connection and faith in Christ Jesus, hallelujah, legitimately. And I absolutely love it. And again, we've had this crap beaten in us all the time. But we didn't feel close to Christ. Why? But now, because of our neighbor, the one I was telling you about, who they're trying to scare his wife into a COVID shot, who is a drummer for this church, invited us. And we love it. It's a great church. It's a great church. And we feel the Holy Spirit moving in there more than ever before. So I am pumped up to go to this church. It's really awesome. Just really, really awesome. But anyway... <clears throat> Nancy was saying, I catch myself having conversations with God all the time now, and it always makes me smile. Yeah, you got to talk to God like he's a friend because he is your friend. He's our father. Just like you would go to a parent for advice, he's our ultimate parent, right? He is our ultimate parent. So anyway, so... We're going to take a quick break. I'm going to take a sip of water real quick, wet the whistle down a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I'm with April here. She says, never connected with my Catholic upbringing. Haven't practiced religion since leaving uh, home as a teen. And I think, you know, my mom just chimed, uh, just logged in, but um, she's here visiting us. Um, but same thing. She grew up Catholic and she always questioned why Catholics do th things the way they do. And again, it's okay to question things. Just like I question why Mormons do the things they do. Like, why do the Mormons do the things that they do? Why do the Seventh-day Adventist people do what they do? Why do the Jehovah's Witness people do what they do? You know, like, it's okay to question, but at the end of the day, I think it just has to go back to one core principle. Follow God's commandments and the teachings of Christ Jesus. That's all. What's in that Bible? So anyway, I'm going to take a quick short break. Real quick, wet the whistle down. I will be right back.
right. So the the chat the chat the chat board is going in to continue to uh, talk about the you know Catholic stuff. Uh, April, which I agree, April was saying confession. We don't need a middleman. God knows our indiscretions. I would agree with that. Yes, I would absolutely agree with that. Liz was saying the confessional was scary. Now I will say this. I, I think, and I have to find it, but I know the Bible says something about admitting your sins among, you know, your brothers, right? And, you know, confessing it out loud to, you know, you people around you, okay? I guess kind of going on the principle where two or more are gathered, right, in his name, right? And so, but I will say this, okay? I'm not going to I'm not gonna overshadow this because as much as I agree with everybody, right, we don't need a middleman, and that's my belief too, all right? We all have different beliefs. I will say this. When I went to a confessional not that long ago, when I say not that long ago, I want to say it was like maybe two years ago, two and a half years ago, possibly, maybe right around there ish. I will say I felt a heavy weight lifted off my shoulders because it had been so long since I went to my last confession in a Catholic church. So I will say that even though I agree with the sentiments of what everybody's saying here, I will say that I will share that experience. I felt a huge weight lifted off my shoulders. So, you know, maybe there is something there. I don't know. But again, I do believe, like I said, like, you know, you, you ask God for that forgiveness and, and you, you pray the act of contrition. I know I do that too. Like, God, I am so sorry. I'm not trying to offend you. I do not want to offend you. You know, my heart, I like, I, I just, I, I don't, I want to, unload on you right and and anything that i have done both knowing and unknowing right like just it's important to confess to father your your transgressions it really it is it is and you know again everybody has different belief systems you know i read this book or i shouldn't i shouldn't say well no actually i did read it i read it twice on paperback and then i listened to it just not that long ago it's called um the seven of um the seven habits of highly effective people and it talks about how people can look at the same thing and see different things and both be right, right? And both be right. And so <clears throat> you, so like there was an image of, of, a, of a lady and it was a college experiment, right? And some people were seeing an old lady. Other people with their perception were seeing an elegant woman in a dress, right? an elegant lady in a dress. So I guess what I'm saying is, you know, everybody has different belief systems. And yes, I'm reading the chat. You know, I get it. Nancy was saying, but Jason, it's because what they've told you, you know, um, let's see, you know, there's, there's a lot of things. And like April was saying, if you've confessed to your brothers, then there are no secrets someone can try to use against you. Yes, absolutely true. That is absolutely true. And you've already confessed it. That's absolutely true. That's why I try to do everything in my power to basically make sure I put all my crap out there here on this podcast because I don't need people trying to come at me and be like, oh, but Jason, I heard, you know, back in the day when you were a DJ, you know, you you smoked a lot of pot and you never talk about that. Well, I've talked about it. Yes, I have. Yes, I have. OK, uh, I, I try not to hide anything on this podcast because, again, there's a lot of people with a lot of malicious intent. So I'm going to basically take the Eminem style approach, right? Like that movie eight mile where I'm just dogging on myself, basically pointing out all my flaws and saying, yeah, okay, I've taken all your ammunition away. Now what? Oh, you're going to tell me my podcast sucks and it's nothing but fluff and I need to take down my website. Woo. Okay. 
but everybody has their own beliefs and everybody has different things that work for them. But we also need to keep that in mind. So, like I said, in that, in that experiment where everybody saw, like I said, from that, that book, the seven habits of highly effective people, it's a good book. In my opinion, you could see the same thing and have different perceptions of what you're seeing and both people still be right in most cases. And so, like I said, everybody's different. Some people feel comfortable going to a confessional and then some people feel that it's not needed. Some people feel that it's good to just get it out in the open among their peers. Everybody's different, you know, everybody's different. And that's one thing that I've come to try to understand and realize. My wife always tried to teach me and yes, my wife is a smart lady and she has humbled me by teaching me, Jason, not everybody sees it your way and nor should they because everybody has a different perception and still could be accurate in their perception and what they see and how they view things. Right. And I respect that. I think that's important. I think for people to, to recognize, you know what I mean? So anyway, that's all I'm saying. Everybody has their different perspectives, you know, perceptions and things like that. Um, and I just, I try to, I try to hear everybody's, um, again, just like Stephen Covey says in his book, seek to understand first, then to be understood. Because so many times people want to listen to respond rather than listen to understand. How many times are we listening to somebody and we're just, we're, we're preparing the ammunition in our mind, right? Like we're thinking of what we're going to say to rebut what they're telling me right? You're trying to think, okay, this is what I'm going to say after they're done with their point. This is what I'm going to say. This is what I'm going to say. But are you listening empathetically? Are you listening with your heart open and your mind open? Again, seeking to understand. And when you seek first to under, you know, to understand somebody else and their point of view, then it's your time to speak and use the one mouth after using your two ears. Then it's your turn to speak, to try to be understood. But nobody's going to understand you if you're not making a conscious effort to try to understand them, right? So anyway, I like that verse. Thank you for posting that, Liz. For I will declare mine iniquity... I will be sorry for my sins. Psalm 38, 18, King James Version Bible. Uh, my wife, I think, put in here, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First John, amen. Um, let me see. There's another one here that Liz put up here in the chat, I think. Yeah, and they stood up in their place and read in the book of the law of the Lord, their God, one fourth part of the day and another fourth part they confessed and worshiped the Lord their God. Nehemiah 9 3, King James Version Bible. I love when you guys put Bible verses in here. You know, I haven't seen uh, Rietta in here lately. She's always good with putting good Bible verses in here. I hope they're doing good. You know what? I guarantee they got a big family and they do a lot of travel. And I know that they have family that travel to see them. So that's probably, they're probably busy with family. So Rietta, Donnie out there in California, if you're listening to this, what up? Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Hope everybody's having a healthy, happy um, time together with family. Okay, now the second part of the show, it's called Submission No More. So 
I got some audio pieces I'm going to play, but before I play these audio pieces, I want to read this post um, that I saw on Telegram. And it's it was um, this was a post on Telegram um, on Christmas Eve by a I believe it's a military vet, a military vet. Okay, and this is what it says. Reality check. There are only two things that will unite Americans and cause them to rise up and overthrow the tyrannical government that rules them. One, if the government starts openly murdering innocent people in the streets in mass numbers, I would agree with that. Two, if the government tries to disarm citizens, I would agree with that too, even though citizens are technically public servants of a government, but that's a different story for a different day. Continuing, it says, that's it. Only those two things. Now, what that means is Americans will allow any type of abhorrent behavior to be done to them with zero opposition as long as those two things are avoided. The government worked this out a long time ago, and this is why they secretly support the groups who tell Americans constantly, no matter how bad it gets, all long as long as we have our guns, it's okay. Guns are America's secret uh, security blanket. Americans are a beaten toddler in a shitty diaper being abused and neglected, but as long as they have their big bird blankie to snuggle up, they don't care. You can burn them out like in Maui and they'll do nothing. You can lock them down and make them watch their grandparents die alone in a nursing home and they'll do nothing. You can brainwash their kids to think that they are the opposite sex and mutilate their bodies trying and they'll go along with it. You can destroy their jobs and economy, and they'll do nothing. You can put criminals and pedophiles in charge of their country, and they'll do nothing. You can destroy their proud military with propaganda and replace their leaders with dudes in dresses, and they'll do nothing. You can force them to inject themselves with an untested poisonous vaccine and they'll do it regardless of side effects. You can let them die from cancer and other illnesses while you keep the cure a secret to enrich pharmaceutical companies. You can tax them into an early grave and send that money to other countries <clears throat> Excuse me, who have infiltrated their governments and they won't care. You can psyop them to join the military and fight the wars based on lies that will get them killed or mutilated. You can fill their country with illegal immigrants so the welfare system they pay to assist them becomes overwhelmed and combat veterans. Uh, the veterans end up living under bridges, homeless, and they just let it happen. You can even openly support ethnic cleansing and genocide in Gaza, and they'll cheer it on regardless of the long-term consequences that will happen when the rest of the world despises them because of it. You can rig their elections over and over and over again right in front of them, and even if it's proven by audits that you did, that you did it, they don't give a shit as long as you look into a CNN camera and tell them you didn't do it. That's enough for them. Just deny it, and that will do. They know they're lying, but they just don't care enough to do anything about it because you did not break the first two rules. They are sheep, 
that think all they need to do is wake up to the fact that they are sheep, then everything will magically get better. This is why they keep saying, do nothing and just keep waking up people. Or just keep waking people up. They are too scared to do anything and hope that they'll eventually wake up someone who will. They refuse to accept that for America to change, they need to get out of their pajamas and walk outside armed and become wolves. Americans will let you abuse and even kill them, mutilate their children, abort their babies at full term for parts. You just have to make the effort to kind of make it look like it's something else. Americans don't even care if it's not convincing. Even a token effort is enough for them. And as long as they keep their blankies, they are happy. They are, there are many Americans fired up and ready to act. But the critical mass of people needed to actually take action is not there. It's not about being awake. We've got the numbers. It's about being brave enough to do more than just talk. You know I'm right. The Second Amendment does not specify the military rescues the people. It specifies that the people rescue themselves. I know it's scary. I'm an infantry veteran. And that is the end of the post. Folks, I've said this over and over and over again. The military is not rescuing us. They are performing their own operations per the 21 requisitions that were put forward by the General General Assembly. But it is up to us to reassemble these states. That's why the First Amendment in the Bill of Rights or the first article in the Bill of Rights, okay, free speech, right? The right to assemble. Okay. Excuse me. Again, the Bill of Rights, it spells out the rights in relation to our government. And the Second Amendment is second because when the government doesn't listen to us and they step out of line and they get out of their lane, the guns are there to make sure they are kept in line. Now, do we want to have a bloody revolution? Absolutely not. But there's a reason why the right of free speech is first and then the gun second, because the pen is mightier than the sword. We need to assemble and get back our government in line and on track with the pen. A meeting of the minds. I want to play something that kind of talks about this. Again, this is govern. Uh, this was uh, what the hell's her name? Hochul, the governor of New York. Again, trying to impede on the right of the people in New York State. Listen. 
Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Washington Gun Law TV. I'm Washington Gun Law President William Kirk. Thanks for joining us. Hey, I'm going to go ahead back out to the state of New York right now, but I think all of you need to pay attention to this. You know, we oftentimes say that, hey, listen, we're passing gun laws all around this country that do nothing more than disarm lawful and responsible gun owners. We don't actually pass laws that address the identifiable demographic group creating the crime. A case in point, New York State and the Concealed Carry Improvement Act. Now, as we know, there was a lawsuit about all the sensitive places, and although parts of that law were upheld, other parts were not. Well, today during a press conference, the governor of New York, Kathy Hochul, a governor who absolutely hates her citizens, well, she kind of messed up and said the quiet part out loud because gun control is not about the guns. It is, in fact, about the control. So let's spend a few minutes. Let's replay it. And let's talk about the governor who thinks she can disarm her citizens for any reason. Okay, so like I said, we're talking about New York's Concealed Carry Improvement Act, a major meltdown which occurred after the holdings of Bruin. As we know, part of that statute included basically turning the entire state of New York into a sensitive place. Now, that was recently challenged, and parts of New York's sensitive place laws were upheld. However, other significant parts were struck down. Now, during a press conference today about the results of that opinion, as well as other issues, a Governor Hochul was asked a very, very good question, a question I think many of us would like to ask some of our local politicians as well. And not only was the question excellent, but the answer, well, I think that is most enlightening. Don't believe me? Check it out for yourself. Do you have the numbers to show that it's the concealed carry permit holders that are committing crimes? Because the lawful gun owner will say that you're attacking the wrong person. It's really people that are getting these guns illegally that are causing the violence, not the people going and getting the permit legally. And that's the basis for the whole Supreme Court argument. Do you have the numbers? I don't need to have numbers. I don't need, I don't have to have a data point to point to. I don't need to have numbers, seriously? This is gonna make, all I know is I have a responsibility to the people of this state to have sensible gun safety laws. And this one was not devised by the Hochul administration. It comes out of an administration from 1908. I don't need a data point to make the case that I have a responsibility to protect the people of this state. And somebody who's going to go do a mass shooting or something like that, may not go get a concealed carry permit. I never said there's any correlation between our solution here and the Buffalo case. In fact, I signed a package of 10 laws following Buffalo that dealt with the issue, the issues that were raised. I practice self-defense because of the restrictions. My point, let me, let me give you, you like statistics, you like numbers? I said at the outset, five people per 100,000 have died from gun violence in the state of New York. The guns, the states that have more liberal laws, you know, carry guns everywhere you want on the theory of self-protection. Their average is about 28.6%. More people are dying in those states. Okay, did you hear that? I don't need any data. Yeah, I don't need any data. And that's something. That's rich. That's rich. And that's New York's governor, Hochul. What a dumb name, Hochul. But at first she starts talking about, oh, I don't need data points. I don't need data points to do what I'm doing. I'm just going to do what I want to do because I'm a tyrannical piece of scar you know, garbage scumbag 
and I'm just going to impose my will on the people. That's not how that works. She is stepping out of the line and the lanes of the Constitution. Remember, the Constitution is for citizens. A citizen is a public servant of the country, of the government. Well, who established the government? Oh, that's right. We, the people. And we, the people, established the Constitution, which basically puts shackles on our public servants to make sure that pieces of shit like this, excuse my language, doesn't infringe on our rights because that's what she's trying to do is take away the gun rights of New Yorkers and it's bullcrap. Stand up, New York. What the heck? Understand what the Constitution is for, but yet you get all these people that are that are not government employees and they're not in the government. They're like, oh, but I got constitutional rights. No, you have a Bill of Rights, which was attached to the Constitution. You don't have constitutional rights. You have rights given to us by our creator. God, our Heavenly Father, but again, the Bill of Rights lists some out of a numerous amount of rights that God gave us, right? But the Bill of Rights establishes the most important ones that we are to recognize. Okay, but the Bill of Rights was attached to the Constitution because, again, we're saying, okay, we'll give citizens who are Government employees will give them the same rights as we, the people, the sovereigns have. We'll give you those rights as well. Again, understand definitions, understand terms. This is why I got a Black's Law Dictionary. This is why it's so important to understand these definitions. What is a citizen? What is a civilian? What is a sovereign? What is a resident? What is an inhabitant? You need to understand this verbiage and understand who you are. You and me, folks, unless you're drawing a paycheck from the government, we're not technically citizens. We're not. I don't know why that's so hard. So unless she's talking about dismantling or disarming her own government employees, that's a whole different ballgame. But as far as the people who live on the land of New York, you're not taking squat away because it is our right to own guns. Kiss our American butts. Here's another audio I want to play for you. Very disturbing trend. First, our Attorney General Bob Ferguson in cahoots with the Governor Jay Inslee. They take away our Second Amendment rights. Article 1, Section 24 of the Washington State Constitution and, of course, our Second Amendment. And then we have this New Mexico governor who has used her executive power to straight out suspend the Second Amendment in her state. Instead of upholding the laws and cracking down on crime, they're taking away our civil liberties. They're taking away our constitutional rights instead of doing their job because their job is to protect and to maintain the individual rights of citizens. If you're ready for change, if you're ready to... Sorry, I was getting a call. Ready for change. If you're ready to get your civil liberties back, your constitutional rights back, go to birdforgovernor.com and learn about our campaign. Because we will uphold your constitutional rights right here in Washington State. Thank you. Yeah, that's interesting. Hold on a second. Let me just send a text real quick. I need to make sure this wasn't, uh, hold on, urgent. Someone from my work called, tried calling me. Hold on. Hold on. Come on. OK, 
can't pick up. All right. Just sit here and wait for his text back. Okay, here's another audio I, I need. I want to play here again. This happens to be now. This was a little bit older audio, but again, regarding with Michigan and the the, the red flag laws. Talk about this new red flag law in the state of Michigan that Governor Whitmer signed. Although it's not going to become effective or a law on the books for at least several months because they didn't get enough votes for it to take immediate effect. So they have to wait till the legislature adjourns. It's a lot like a personal protection order in that you can go get a red flag order that has law enforcement take away somebody's guns. You can do that without a hearing first, but the person who is the subject of the order then has the right to go in front of a judge and ask to have the order terminated or modified. But there is a clause that law enforcement is required to go take somebody's guns away. No, 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 no. And that's a bunch of bull crap. That is a bunch of bull crap. These red flag laws need, they got to go. Um, they've got to go. Um, that, that's, that's, that, that's not how that works. See this, this, oh, folks, this is why you need to reassemble. Okay. This is not to, again, the assembly isn't there to help individual men and women, uh, on an individual case by case basis. This is to help the collective to, uh, to, to protect people from a usurping government that is trying to trespass and let's make no mistake. Let's use words properly here. They are trying to trespass on the de jure, the proper governing body of the United States of America. Okay. Of the United States of America. And, and this is a big problem. And so, um, hold on a second. Doing a podcast right now. Hold on. All right. Sorry for that disruption, guys. Sorry for that disruption. I just uh, need to make sure I respond to that. But this, gosh, people, what's it going to take? Do you need, just like we just read in that post from that veteran, do we need to see blood on the streets? Do we need to see Americans en masse being murdered on the streets? Do you want to see your family and friends and people that you love and care about very much being murdered in cold blood in front of your home on the streets before you start picking your butt up and doing something about it? Or do you need unconstitutional policy officers to come that is, you know, bought and paid for by the corporation to come take your guns away. What the heck does it have to take before you wake up and get into action? Like that guy said in that post, that veteran said in a post, they've done so much against us, but as long as we have our little security blanket of guns, well, they're never going to, they're never going to take this country down, Jethro. We got our firearms. We got our 12-gauge shotgun. I got my AR-15. I got about 30,000 rounds of different types of ammunition. Uh, they ain't going to come anywhere near my compound. I'm going to blow them freaking feds up. Yeah, okay. You keep talking that big talk with all your guns and firearms, but uh, until you start learning to use the weapon called a pen, and assembling your guns are nothing but a security blanket like that veteran was talking about. It's ridiculous how people have just let this happen.
And look, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm not part and parcel to blame here because I have fed into the system for so long as well. But I think enough people are awake. But what are you going to do about it? Do something about it. I got other audio pieces, but I'm just going to skip two of them. I'm going to go to the last one because this is funny. I do want to play this just to add a little comedy and then we'll do a prayer. It's the second thing we wrote. It's the second thing we wrote. Out of all the things to write when starting a country, the second thing they wrote down is you better get a gun. The first thing they wrote down is you can say what you want. And then they were like, oh, but you better get a gun if you want to do that. <laughs> it's the second thing we wrote. That's right. It is the second thing we wrote. It is the second thing we wrote. And so anyway, so <clears throat> that's about it, folks. I mean, I, I can't, I can't elaborate anything more on this subject. I keep repeating myself. I keep pounding this same subject in and day in and day out, which is one of the reasons why I'm looking very much forward to a 30 day little sabbatical by myself, uh, where again, it's going to be, I'm going to, you know, step away from all the bad crap and the food and all the crap that I am, you know, used to love eating. And I need to just step away from it, step away from, uh, consumption of hard ciders and alcohol in general. Right. And just really, and step away from technology and just not, again, not doing a podcast, not doing anything, just really just self-reflection, reading the Bible, journaling and listening to audiobooks, and just, you know, renewal, a self renewal. So I'm really looking forward to this because again, people need to wake up. I mean, I can, I can only put this information out so much and I'm sure you guys can only share this podcast so often, you know, I get it. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, God's going to do what he's going to do. And it's going to go one way or the other based off of the free will of man. So all I can do is just do my best to enjoy my family, live one day at a time, be in the moment, live in the moment, appreciate every second that I have of life and uh, just pray that it all works out well and do my best to serve humanity. That's all I can do. That's all we all can do. Okay. I'm not going to fret about the future. I'm not going to sit here and scare you guys about the future. Just live each day as if it was your last plan for the future, but live in the moment and enjoy your family glorify and gratify God. And at the same time, have the heart of Christ and serve people to the best of your ability. Use the gifts and talents that God gave you. All right. Just use the talents that God gave you and it will be all right. All right. Have no fear, fear not. So anyway, all right, let's say a prayer. Heavenly father, as we reflect on the teachings of your son and the encounters that reveal the depth of your faith and your boundless compassion, uh, we come before you in prayer. We ask that you grant us the wisdom to understand that true defilement comes not from external sources, but from within our hearts. And so with that, we pray that our words and our deeds be a reflection of the purity and love that you instill within us. We ask that you guide us to align our lives with your commandments rather than being swayed by human traditions. We ask that you teach us, like the Canaanite woman, to hold on to unwavering faith, even in the face of rejection or barriers. 
Help us persist in seeking your mercy and grace, knowing that your love knows no boundaries and your compassion extends to all people. We humbly ask for our hearts to be filled with compassion, mirroring your son's love for those in need, and may we be instruments of healing and restoration and provision in a world longing for your touch. And in moments of scarcity, remind us of your abundant provision. Strengthen our faith to trust in your sufficiency, knowing that in you and in you alone, there is always more than enough. May our lives reflect the transformative power of your love, just as Jesus showed through his teachings, healings, and provision. And in Jesus' name, we pray, amen. Amen, ladies and gentlemen. And of course, I really like this audio piece. I'm going to keep playing this um, for a little while because I think it's something people need to keep hearing. And then this is um, the last audio piece. But again, again, we also also. Yeah. And I yes, I forgot about that. Yes. And I want to pray also to a special intention prayers for those who have the prayers that are deep in their heart that are unspoken and unheard by us, but can be heard by God. So we do pray for those who are in need, those who are dealing with health issues and people who are pregnant that are dealing with, you know, the challenges of pregnancy and dealing with a fear mongering hospital medical system. So we pray for those people and anybody who has, you know, things that they're battling, but they don't know how to put in words. And so we also add that to the prayer as well. And, and, and of course, in Christ Jesus, we pray all that. Amen. And so this last audio piece I want to play, and then we'll close it out. I think it's very important. I'm going to keep playing it at the end of every show because it is that important. Ladies and gentlemen, have a good day, good night, wherever you're at in the world. And we will see you back here next time. Protecting you from something that was going to kill, steal, and destroy your destiny. While you thought you were being rejected, remember God has a plan for you. Sometimes God will let you walk into uncomfortable situations where all you can do is rely on him. Don't be anxious. God is about to show you he is faithful. Trust God to save your situation. Your time is coming. Have faith. If it's meant to be, God will make a way. Don't stress. God has a plan. Once, a man was asked, what did you gain by regularly praying to God? The man replied, nothing. But let me tell you what I lost. Anger, ego, greed, depression, insecurity, and fear of death. Sometimes, the answer to our prayers is not gaining but losing, which ultimately is the gain. God, I will trust you even in the unknown. Dear God, make my days useful, my home peaceful, and my efforts fruitful. Dear God, I want to thank you for all those things you do that I never see, helping me get through each day safely, making sure my family is protected, and your many other countless blessings. Amen. Drop an amen if you are thankful and share it with someone who needs to hear this today. 
Remember, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, ladies and gentlemen. We are firm. We are steadfast, and we are uncompromising. The enemy has crossed that line for the last time. It is up to people like you and I to hold that line. They've crossed the line way too many times, and it is time for us to stand up this republic and get after it. We gotta do this for God. We gotta do this for our families. We gotta do this for America, for the voiceless. It's time to get after it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining the show. forget to check out the website www.hisheartline.com and if you want to know more about how to get involved with your assembly go to www.national-assembly.net that's www.national-assembly.net it's time to get active ladies and gentlemen let's go Joining us here at His Heart Line.
We'll see you back here next time. time.